Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Creek, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Awesome. Amen, it is. Good morning. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 33 here in just a moment. I'm on the end, uh, the last message in this series called Boundaries. And so I want to do something a little bit different than I normally do in that... Um, get my shirt tucked in here. Well, that's one thing. I don't want to tuck my shirt in. Um, but <clears throat> I normally like to pick a passage and stick with that passage, just work through it. Um, but this morning, I want to wrap up this whole boundaries uh, message by giving you some insanely practical how-tos. See, it's easy for us to talk spiritually, and it's easy for us, I say easy, it's, it's, uh, it's often that we talk um, about things out there, but then we always have to ask the question, okay, now that I know that, how do I do it? How do I actually live this spiritual principle? How do I actually flesh this out in my own life? And when it comes to boundaries, we've, we've talked about the why and we've talked about um, um, the what, but, but we haven't necessarily said, okay, this is how we do it. So this morning, I want to try to make this as simple as possible by being insanely practical and, and, and walking us through the steps of setting some boundaries. And really, it's not as hard as you might think. It's difficult, but it's not hard. Uh, let me say it differently. It's, it's difficult, but it's not complicated, Okay. And as Kevin said, there's just a few adjustments. There's just some, some things that have to change. But once you change the core, the foundation, everything you build on top of that will, will start working out. So let's, let's build the foundation of the why. Boundaries tells us what we're responsible for and who we're responsible to. They're, they're lines. They're borders. They are our definition, right? It was God's idea to create and establish and defend or, or, or uh, communicate boundaries. God did this. God gave us first physical boundaries. Now, you've heard me say this before, but let me remind you, we are not singular people in that we're not just physical and we're not just emotional. We're not just spiritual. We are triune people that reflects the image of God. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are physical, emotional, spiritual. And you can't mess with the physical of somebody without messing with the spiritual. If there's something wrong physically with you, that affects you spiritually. And in the same way, if there's something that, that is out of whack emotionally, it's going to affect you physically. Because we cannot separate the three. And so we, we know that we are, we are physical, spiritual, and, um, um, physical, and, and emotional because we've got those boundaries. What gives you your physical definition is the fact that you have skin, right? You have fingers and toes, at least most of us do, right? I, I didn't mean that the way it sounded, but you, you, can, see, you can see where I was going with that, Lori, actually. Um, it was God's idea, though. Here's the deal. In Genesis chapter 1, God set forth the boundaries. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, here's what the scripture says. You don't have to turn there. Let me just read it to you. Let me show you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. What did he do? He created a boundary. Light, dark. In verse 6, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated, there's this word, boundaries, the water under the vault from the water above it. So he created sky and earth, right? And then in verse 9, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place and let dry ground appear. And so it was called, it was good. God called the dry ground land and he gathered the gathered water he called seas. So you can see here that he began this process of creating physical boundaries, Sea, land, and, and these, were, these were not bad things. These were definitions. They gave, they gave meaning and, and, and they gave um, um, clear understanding of what is what. Could you imagine if there were no boundaries between sea and land? 
That'd be, that we can't even imagine that. Why? Because we take for granted the fact that God drew some lines. He said, you can go this far, but no farther. Well, God also gave us relational boundaries. He gave us uh, wives or husbands based on the, the, the understanding that there's to be the, the highest of all relationships is a marriage relationship. And he said, within that relationship, these are the things that I want. These are the things that I expect. Oh, by the way, these are the things that make a relationship whole. And outside of those boundaries will make a relationship hard or unable to be uh, successful, right? So he gave us relationship boundaries, not just, just spouse, but also with children, he gave us the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment is what? Children, you are to obey your parents. Right. That was a boundary. He said, look, this boundary is to keep you safe. This boundary is to help you not have chaos in your life. He also gave us boundaries with other people. The rest of the commandments, do not murder, do not covet your neighbor's wife. I mean, these were all boundaries. And he goes, okay, here's this line, and here's this line, and here's this line. He also gave us moral boundaries. He said we can, we can think this way, but we can't think that way. We can do this act, but we can't do that act. So you've got all these different lines that God drew, and then he gave us something fantastic. He gave us two of the most powerful words known to man. He gave them to you. He gave them to me. Unfortunately, we don't often see the power in these words. In fact, we just, kind of, uh, we just kind of skim through life not ever really realizing that these two most powerful words will keep us or will harm us and actually are responsible most often for the pain that we endure. Two words. It's the word yes and the word no. You ever thought about how powerful those words are? Two simple words, yes, three letters, no, two letters. Yet these two words, the most powerful words we have, because in them is entirely, in them is wrapped, within them is our boundaries, within them is our agency, within them is our will. From yes and no, everything else in our life flows. Everything you did today was because of one of those two words. You said, yes, I'm going to get up this morning. You said, no, I'm not going to stay in bed. You said, yes, I'm going to get a shower. You said, no, I'm not going to stink. You said, yes, I'm going to brush my teeth. You said, no, I'm not going to go to the park. I'm not going to go to the beach. Yes, I am going to come to worship. No, I'm not going to just sit home and watch Creflo Dollar on TV. See, yes and no. Your entire day so far, every decision you've made has been a yes or a no. Now, you didn't intentionally say all those things, but you said those with your actions. So what about our yes and no is important? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 and following, or 33 through 37, here's what the scripture says. Again... You have heard it said, or excuse me, you have, again, you have heard, heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. That's the children's job. All you, verse 37, uh, only the parents left. Uh, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, if you have an old uh, uh, King James Version, you probably memorize this verse. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Folks, what if I could tell you that if you got this right, most of the chaos in your life would subside? What if I told you that if you learn the power of yes and no, most of the conflict in your life would be more tolerable. What if I told you that if you understood and exercised the power of yes and no, you would indeed have more peace. You would have better relationships. You would have a happier home. And you would have a more quiet mind. Would you be up for that? 
Anybody? Nobody? Yeah, wouldn't you? So here's the thing. Why is yes and no so powerful? Because yes and no is the agreement of your heart to whatever it is that is set before you. So when Jesus was talking about this, he was giving what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, he didn't necessarily write that as the Sermon on the Mount, but he was on the mountainside and he was teaching the crowds. And this was one of the things that he felt was most important. And he was addressing actually a common problem of the day. See, in the Old Testament, there were certain commands about giving oaths. And an oath was, a, was an I swear, I solemnly swear. An oath was much like you would take when you'd go to a courtroom and you would stick your hand on a Bible and you say, I, on, I solemnly swear to tell the whole truth and nothing, the, the, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the God. The, you know what I'm saying. Whole, no, the, whole, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? And, and it was a way of saying, you can believe me. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. You can take this to the grave. This is what I mean and what I say. But see, oaths had become commonplace. It, it was no longer that there were oaths when you went to the courthouse, but there were oaths when you buy a chicken. There were oaths when you would tell your wife, oh, I'm not really going fishing until midnight. I'm coming back earlier. There were oaths when it came to the children going out and playing. Everybody was making oaths, and these, these oaths were being made, but not necessarily kept. You see, the Old Testament specifically said there's a time and a place to make an oath. But they started just making oaths like they were nothing. Let me, let me put that in modern day vernacular for you. Their yes and their no was unclear. They were, they were kind of wishy-washy. They weren't, they, they, weren't, they, they, they weren't really trustworthy. It was like, oh yeah, I promise. Because what they were doing was they were saying yes not based on the right reason to say yes, but based on some other reasons. And they were saying no based on the wrong reasons as well. Your yes and your no need to be just that, yes. And when you say yes, that's what you mean. Nobody needs to go, well, does he really mean maybe? No. They need to, he said yes, he, he said yes. She said yes, she said yes. You must have went to Jared, right? So you, come on. See, all the women are laughing, all the guys are like, I don't get it, right? So your yes and your no, as Jesus said, just need to be enough. Here's the deal. When you have a yes and a no that is powerful, people begin to learn to respect it. But when you have a yes or a no that's more of a maybe, I think, a kind of, sort of, then people run right over those lines. Now, why do we say yes? I had to write these down because I knew I'd forget if I didn't. Here are some of the reasons that we say yes to things in life. And when I say things, I'm pretty much talking about any area of life. We say yes because of the wrong reason so many times. Here's reason number one. Because we are manipulated to say yes. Yes, I'll do that. Because somebody else manipulated us into saying what we did not want to say, what we should not have said. But they basically convinced us, or they didn't even convince us, but they twisted us into an answer or into a word that goes against what we know we should do. And it always, mark this down, it always leads to bitterness, anger, and resentment. Am I right? When you are manipulated, you are doing what you know or, or you should not do, and it never turns out good. Let me tell you, if you are a manipulator, you are sinning against the person you are manipulating. Because you are not loving them and you are not keeping boundaries. You are basically saying, I'm going to make you do something you don't want to do because I want it, not because you want it. And hey, the best manipulators can be parents. They can be children. They can be spouses. They can be 
co-workers or, or rather bosses. You all with me here? Do you agree with that? Now look, we can go through each of those categories if you want, but parents can be awful manipulators. Parents can, can, can and, and usually it's not both parents, usually it's one parent, and they begin to manipulate the child well into the child's adult life. Amen? Can I just tell you, that is cancer to a marriage, and that is cancer to a family, and it's cancer to your soul. I'm just going to speak straight to you today and tell you, if you are allowing your parents or parent to manipulate you, now remember, we're not talking about you doing something because you love them. We're talking about you doing something only because they have pouted and they have cried and they have whined enough that they've made you feel guilty about it. That's another one, by the way. And they've manipulated you into doing it. That is not a healthy relationship, and that's a boundary that you need to establish. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, don't let your parent manipulate you. Now look. Here's here's the thing. We're getting kind of real here, right? I told you it's insanely, insanely practical. It is hard for you to say to your parent, no. Why? Because you love your parent. Because your parents done so much for you. Because your parents gave you birth. Well, guess what? You'll get to flip that around. You can decide what nursing home they go to. You'll be able to repay them back one day. But in this moment, if, if, if you are an adult, your parents should not tell you or make you say yes or no. Because they're because that's because here's what they're doing. They are infringing upon your you-ness. And if you are no longer you then you no longer are able to serve God. You're serving a person. I'm not in any way insinuating that your parents should never ask you to do anything, that they should never uh, 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 you know, try to convince you. No, I'm talking about when, you, when they cross that line to manipulation. And by the way, nobody can manipulate you unless you let them manipulate you. Now, I got to say, my dad's in the crowd here. My parents were really good about letting me make decisions. I'm grateful for that. In fact, when I was graduated high school, I got a suitcase. Good luck, son. I mean, that was about as plain as you could be, right? I am so grateful for that. They didn't tell me where to go to college. They didn't tell me what job I was supposed to have. They didn't tell me what kind of career I was supposed to have. They didn't tell me how to, who I was supposed to marry. They stayed out of my business, and they stayed on the side, and they said, you know what? We're here if you need me or if you need us. If you call and ask for money, maybe, but don't call and ask for money. How many of you had parents like that? Can I see your hands? Don't raise your hand on this one, but do any of you have parents that wanted to hover over and control your life? And even now as an adult, I said, don't raise your hands, but you can. (laughs) Does that cause you anguish? Now, listen, honor your father and your mother. Does not mean you say yes to everything your father and mother tells you or asks you or manipulates you to do. It means you honor them by, by nose sometimes. So we only talked about parents, but spouses can be awfully manipulating as well. Right? Now, this is the... See, I don't want you all to assume that I'm talking about my spouse, okay? I just... I want to be clear... Because people can sometimes think that, oh, it's a, it's a side. No, I'm saying in general, I've seen it, you've seen it, you may live it. And, and the truth is, everybody at some times, at some time, has been manipulative in some way. Would you agree with that? How many of you have ever manipulated somebody? Let me see your hands. How many of you have ever tried to manipulate your spouse? Let me see your hands. Come on, be honest. If you're married, you, you liar. You know where liars go, right? To heaven if they're Baptist. No. <laughs> Just kidding. We, we, spouses, spouses can be the worst because they're so close. Now look, 
It can be a child. Children are really good. They manipulate most often by embarrassment. <laughs> In the grocery store, no, 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 no. I mean, they do all kinds of weird stuff, and you're like, oh, okay, here, here, take, here, take my money, take my wallet, take my life, right? I mean, we'll do anything we we'll do anything to keep from being embarrassed. But guess what? That's not healthy. Have you ever just wanted to everything your kid? I think I have actually done this before. Whatever your kid does, you do it twice as obnoxious and twice as loud in the middle of Walmart. No, no. They're like, what? You can't do that. You'll embarrass me. Yeah, kid, that's the point, right? But we say yes. Listen, if you could just get this one right, never let anyone manipulate you into a yes or a no that you don't willingly give. That alone will change a lot. But we also say yes because of guilt. And guilt is sometimes used in manipulation, but it can be different. It can be guilt not because somebody else places it on you, but because you just feel it. I'm going to say yes to doing something I know I shouldn't do. My friends tell me I shouldn't do, but I'm doing it anyways because I feel so guilty about something that this is just a way of me trying to alleviate the guilt that I feel. You ever done that? That's not healthy. Why? Because you may not be doing the right thing. You're doing the seemingly comfortable or comforting thing. And so often that's actually enabling. We also say yes to things. Because we feel sorry. I'll do that because I feel so sorry for you. We may not say that, but we do it out of sympathy. But by, by doing it out of sympathy, we're actually getting into space that is not ours to be in. We oftentimes will do things <laughs> out of expectations of others. They expect me to do it. Uh, let's say I join a club and in that club, everybody else is showing up for the workday or whatever. And I go, you know what? I've got a trillion things to do, but I, but they expect me to be there. I got to be there. So I go and I leave some things undone because of expectations of others. Now they may be actual expectations or they may be, may be perceived expectations, but let me ask you a question. How many yeses do you give because somebody else expects you to give it? But you know that because you said yes, you also said no. That's a point I was going to give to you in a minute, but I'm going to give it to you now. Every time we say yes, we say no. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. Every yes has a no, and every no has a yes. Every time. This morning, I said yes to jeans, and I said no to shorts. Aren't you glad? This morning, I said yes to my toothbrush, and I said no to halitosis. Aren't you glad? Did I already tell you this part? Okay. Well, good. I couldn't remember. I preached this already. Every time you say yes, you say no. I said yes to um, working on the house late last night, and I said no to a lot of sleep last night. As a result, I said no this morning to getting here at 8 o'clock when everybody else was here to meet as a staff. And I said yes to getting up late and having to rush to get here. Do you see my point? Every time you say yes, you're saying no. And every time you're saying no, you're saying yes. Here's what's happening. Our lives are, are going like this because we're saying yes, 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 yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. And usually our no's are in a really tiny bucket and our yes is in a really big dump truck. And before long, we realize we can't yes everything. But I feel manipulated and I feel, uh, I, I feel pressured and I feel the expectations and I feel fear and I feel all these things. But how can I say no? They're counting on me. And it crushes you. It crushes you. 
And your life is confused and and your mind just isn't still. And how can you be still and know that I am God, says God, when we can't be still because we're yes, 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 yes. Every time you say yes, you say no. So some of the reasons we say yes, manipulation, guilt, expectations of others, sympathy. Here's the best one. Nobody else is going to do it. If it's going to get done, I might as well. I have become somewhat comfortable with unfinished things. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> That's an understatement, to say the least. I used to try to, I used to try to just, well, I can do that, I'll do that, I can do that, I'll do that. And, and I'm still not really great at that. I'm trying to get better, but here's the deal. If you say yes because nobody else will do it, nobody else will do it because you say yes. Can I get an amen here? Is it true? Now, don't raise your hand, except for you guys. Apparently, you don't follow instructions. If, if you're doing something right now because nobody else will do it, what would your life be like if you simply said, you know what, that is not in my wheelhouse? The answer is no. Would it change anything about your life? And here's the thing. We say, no, we say yes sometimes to good things, but because we've said yes to some good things, we've also said no to some better things. Yes, I will be at that meeting. No, I will not be at my kid's ball game. Yes, I will answer that call. No, I will not have a quiet time today because every time I try to, there's another call that I say yes to. Yes, I will play on Facebook. No, I will not mow the grass. Okay, that one's okay. That one's a, that one's a biblical one. That's acceptable. God set boundaries. He gave us physical boundaries. He gave us relational boundaries. He gave us uh, uh, emotional, or or rather, he gave us um, uh, 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 moral boundaries. He also did, by the way, I didn't say it, but he gave us emotional boundaries. Those emotional boundaries are the things that keep others from manipulating us. He gave us the ability to to define and, and communicate our boundaries By giving us two of the most powerful words on the planet. Yes and no. And he says to us, let your yes be yes. Don't qualify it. Don't don't build on to it. Simply say yes and mean yes. And say no and mean no. Don't say yes because of manipulation. Because of guilt. Because of, of, of expectations of others. Don't say yes because of sympathy. Don't say yes um, because of, of, of reputation. How many things do you do just to protect your reputation? Well, I don't want them to think bad of me. That's part of expectation. But at the end of the day, we do a lot of stuff just so other people will see us and think something of us. I'm just going to say this as nicely as I can. Duh. Why? That's dumb. (laughs) That was mean. Here's why. Do you realize that people are going to think what they're going to think no matter what you think they want to think? They're going to think it. You can try to control what they think, but at the end of the day, they think what they think. And they'll think what they think until you do something that makes them think something else than what they thought. You think? Is it true? So why are you so worried about keeping up a reputation? Why are you so worried about what somebody might think about you? Because at the end of the day, there's only one opinion that matters. There's two That are important. One that matters. Is the opinion of God. What does your father say? The second one. That matters. The opinion of your family. What does your father say? What does your family say? Those really. Should be the end of where we worry about reputation. Here's why. Here's why. Because if your father is pleased with you, whatever reputation you have from that is, is okay. Amen? If your family is pleased, you're a good dad, you're a, you're a good mom, you're a faithful husband, faithful wife, 
the, 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 whatever else opinion they have, it's okay because your family, the ones you are most responsible to, they got it right. We say no for bad reasons as well. We say no because of fear. We say no because it's too costly. We say no because of bad relationships. What I meant by that is we'll say no to something just because of who it is that is asking or just because of who it is that might be affected or might be blessed by us saying yes. I'm going to say no just because of that. I don't like that person, so no. Not really good reasons. So you might say, okay, well, well give, us some, give us some biblical wisdom here. How do I know when to say yes and when to say no? Here's the easiest way to put it. Always say yes to God. And when you say yes to God, all of the no's that follow from that are totally irrelevant. Or totally okay. Maybe irrelevant's not the right word. Yes to God. So Jesus said no, actually, quite a bit. Let me give you a couple of, couple of passages. Mark 1, 35 through 38. If you have your Bible, turn there. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Y'all with me this morning? Yeah. All right, is this helpful? I hope. Yeah. Mark, chapter 1. First, I, I'm going to make it super, super, super clear here at the end. I promise you. Just hang with me. Mark, chapter 1, verse 35, 36, 37, 38. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. You ever feel like that? Hey, moms, you ever feel like that? I've heard stories of my wife locking herself in the bathroom just to have some peace. You ever done that? Me? I just go fishing. <laughs> I find it's a whole lot better than just locking myself in the bathroom. <laughs> but then again, I go fishing because I leave my kids with a wife, so that works, right? That was a long time ago. I don't do that anymore. Seriously. <laughs> Y'all are like, ooh, judgment. I feel, I feel the condemnation. <laughs> so Jesus, uh, they, they said, everyone is looking for you. Now, why were they looking for him? Because if you look just before this, these couple of verses, he healed many. He was walking through healing people left and right. And as he healed them, they were excited. And so he goes to bed and, 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 and the next morning, um, Jesus gets up early and he goes and he, he finds himself in a solitary place. Guys, do you, do you see this? He said no to the crowd and yes to the Father. He said no to the healings and yes to the traveling. When they asked him, Hey, aren't, we, aren't you going to go heal the people who are looking for you? Jesus replied, verse 38, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus is intentionally and explicitly said, I am not going to heal anymore in this city. Because we're going to go to the next place. Because I haven't come to be known as the physical healer. I have come to be known as the Savior. As the King of Kings. Had he stayed there, perhaps he would have been a local legend. But he would not have been able to go to fulfill the will of his Father. By the way, the key that we're going to get to, I told you the super simple. It is found in the last part of verse 38. That is why I have come. Put that in your head. Remember that. In Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 15. That's the next gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, 14, and 15. So Jesus said, no, I'm not going to heal anymore in this town. Uh-oh, I got that wrong. You know what, guys? I apologize. I wrote down the wrong, the wrong passage. I just have to tell you what it is, and we'll have to go find it later. Um, essentially, Jesus was approached by a, uh, a guy who said, Look, would you tell my brother to divide his inheritance? Divide, tell him that he, he's being stingy. Tell him to divide his inheritance with me. Now, probably what was going on there is the firstborn got the bulk of the inheritance and the, the rest of the kids got the rest. He was probably going, look, it should be split evenly. And here was Jesus' reply. He said, be careful. 
that your heart is not greedy. And no, I am not going to settle the issue between the two of you. It is Luke 12. What am I reading then? Oh, yes, it is. I'm sorry. (laughs) You ever done that before? Okay, so that is Luke 12. He said, no, I'm not going to settle the issue before you. Why? Because I don't want to be known as the, the judge of financial disputes. In other words, I have a different purpose. I'm here for a different reason. I'm not here to settle daily disputes. And then here's another one. In um, uh, John chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. See, we're going Matthew, Mark, Luke. Now it's John chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. When they, or let's start in 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Let me translate that for you. Rabbi, we're hungry. See, what had happened just before that was Jesus fed the 5,000. They were all there. They were listening. They were hungry. He miraculously gave them a feast. There was so much food that everybody ate, and then basketfuls were left over. So the next day, they saw that Jesus wasn't there, so they ran around the lake, and they got there and like, Hey, when did you get here? Surprise! We're here too. You had this crowd of people. You know what they were wanting? They were wanting food. They weren't wanting Jesus. Here was Jesus' reply, verse 28 or 26. Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. What did Jesus tell him there? He said, no, I'm not going to feed you. So let me just kind of go... He said, no, I'm not going to heal you. He said, no, I'm not going to settle your dispute. He said, no, I'm not going to feed you. And countless other times in Scripture, we have record of Jesus saying, that's a good thing, but my answer is no. When's the last time you said no to a good thing because there was something else that needed your time, your money, your attention, your heart? Guess what? If you say yes to every opportunity you have, you eventually have nothing left to give. You have no more time. You have no more energy. You become a dry valley of bones because you're spending your life doing things that may not be bad things, but they're not the things that are appointed for you to do. You remember when the scripture says, for I know the plans that I have for you? That's pretty specific, isn't it? Here's the deal. God has purposed in his heart a plan for your life. He created you. He designed you. He knew you. He formed you for a reason. And that reason is his intention for giving you life. And when you say yes to everything that you can say yes to, whether you should or not, you essentially can be ignoring your purpose and living for everyone else's purpose for you. How do you say yes and no within the boundaries that you, are, that you need to have? You do that by defining first your purpose. Mike, drop. I suspect that several in this room haven't discovered why you are here. You don't know what your purpose is. And as a result, you're letting everybody else control your life. Here's the deal. When you know why you exist, you take back and own what has been yours and yours alone to steward. Steward means... You're a manager. It means you are using what God has given you the right way according to his purpose and his plan. Jesus knew why he existed. Let me give you just a few. In John chapter 6 verse 38. It's just a few verses past where we just were. Jesus said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the father who sent me. Jesus said, my purpose is to do my Father's will. 
I got to be honest, we don't have to be real creative in this purpose thing. If our purpose simply was, my purpose is to do my Father's will, that would, that would be enough. Amen? But now here's the thing. We go, okay, but I don't know what the Father's will is, so we want to get a little more specific. But if that was the overarching reason that we exist, we would say no to a lot of stuff. We would start, no, 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 no. Oh, actually, it's over here. No, no, right? Because that's my yes side, that's my no side. We would start saying no to things It doesn't fit with my purpose. 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 Jesus knew his purpose in John, excuse me, Luke 4, 18 through 19. He 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 explains his purpose in a little in a little bit different terms. Also almost done, I promise. Jesus said this. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. To recover sight for the blind. And to set the oppressed and the captive free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's my favorite part. Then he rolled up the scroll and did a scroll drop. I'm I'm, I'm just imagining this in, in modern day times. And he's going... I mean, that's what I'm thinking in my heart that he's doing. Because he's going, look, this day, that's what he says, this day, this word has been fulfilled in your sight. He knew his purpose. In John, uh, Mark 10, 45, he has another explanation of his purpose you say well he had a lot of purposes no his purpose actually was all all the same he's just saying it in different ways mark 10 uh 45 it says this it says for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John chapter 12, verse 24 through 27 says that his purpose was to come and die. And in Luke 19, verse 9 through 10, he says, My purpose is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. So, where does this leave us? What do we do from here? Here's, here's where I believe you and I could totally change the trajectory of our life if we've not done this already. If we take the time to listen to the voice of God for our purpose and then align every yes and every no according to our purpose, our life changes. Run everything through the funnel or through the filter of Is that why I was created? Here's what that means. That means some of the things you're doing now, you're going to have to say, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I can't do that. Some of the things that you're not doing, you're going to have to say, I have to say yes. Maybe some of the clubs, maybe some of the activities, maybe some of the responsibilities you're going to have to take off and set to the side because they don't fit what God has purposed for you. Can I tell you the result of this? The result is a much more satisfied life. Now, just just curious, is there anybody in this room who has gone through this process at least, not just a little bit, but has gone through a significant part of this process of determining your purpose and start saying intentionally yes and no? Can I can I just see? Is there anybody who's you've done that? Okay. Is there anybody else? Yeah. Yes, I see that hand. I want to say that. Anybody else? Okay. Um, Jansen, do you mind if I? Ask you a few questions about it. See, that's why nobody else raised their hand. (laughs) Um, Can you come up here with me?
Hey guys, Facebook Live, this is Jansen McClendon. We only got like five minutes, so you got to be short. Here, here you go. Was that a joke? <laughs> you said it, not me. Okay. Okay. I was hoping you'd raise your hand because I know part of your story, and I got to tell you, uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch how God has, uh, has, has been moving and shaping in your life. So can you give us like a three-minute overview of kind of what you did and why you did it? And listen, I, I, I'll go ahead and spill the beans. He hasn't figured it all out, right? Yeah, very true. I mean, it, it's still messy, and, and there's still some things you're like, hadn't I messed that one up. But, but for the most part, you're, you're intentionally going in a direction. Yeah, yeah, so that, that's the word, right? Intentionality. And so, um, so yeah, we, we, um, <clears throat> I started to look at my life, um, you know, kind of big picture, you know, and, and what, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? You know, what, what did God create me for? And so um, this has been an ongoing process, um, you know, over, well, I mean, I guess a lifetime, but really probably more, more so in the last year or two where we've really started to look at, you know, what, what are we doing here? What's, like, what, what's going to make the biggest difference? What, you know, all this, I don't know. I wish I could have, you know, prepared a little bit better yeah. for this, but. Um, well, you did raise your hand, so. I know. You should have um, known better. Yeah. <laughs> just do this. Yeah. Just, just tell us, um, tell us a little bit of, of the struggle of, of cutting things out, because I know you've had to cut some things out of your life yeah. so that you can add what's important. Yeah, yeah. So in order to know like what to cut out, I think where you have to start is with that with that purpose. And and so one of the things that I sort of look at is like what what are the things that like really drive me? Like what is it like when I get up in the morning, I'm like, yeah, I want to do that today. I'm looking forward to that this week. You know, and kind of just discovering more of like who I am, who's who's Jansen, you know? And then once you start to kind of discover that more, then you can start to look at the things that you can cut out. And it's difficult. And we, we go back to this. We say this all the time. You know, every, every yes is a no and every no is a yes. I heard a guy say that one time. And, uh, and, um, and so it's, it's hard. It, it is, it's very hard. But, but the more you dig into that, you know, the more it just, it just opens up. And, and I remember sitting, you know, in a, in a coffee shop in Guatemala with you and talking, right, last yeah. summer about, yeah, about some things. I was like... Hey, we're, you know, here's something we're thinking about doing with our family, and here's this, and and really, I'll tell you, you know, we we've got when we say our purpose, it's not so singular, is it? Yeah. Like, no, it's, you're right. It's multifaceted, and uh, and but I know for me especially, and my family especially, family is huge, and so um, you know, we we came, I came from a place of of uh, of brokenness and and a lot of struggle and issues, and I and I want to change that for my family. And so um, the more we started to dig into that, you know, the, the more we really, I really started to find, you know, my purpose, not, not just changing my life for my kids. This is the conversation we had, right? But changing the, my, the life for my kids and their kids and their kids. And, uh, and that, really, that really gets me fired up, you know? And, and the, more, the more I dig into that and learn more about who I am, um, and what God created me for, then, then it's easier to say no. Yeah. You know, does that answer your Absolutely. question? Absolutely, that's exactly perfect. Thank you. Right. You have basically just given us the outline of saying, "Look, you had to take the brunt of the the, the pain of stopping the insanity." Yeah. I mean, you you had you had all this insanity just push against you, and you you essentially said, "No more." See, I'm, I'm a good, I, I, I play under the hoop. That's what I do right there. For those, those who are not basketball players, that looked really, really weird. And I'm so sorry. But, but if you're a basketball player, you know that's your biggest weapon underneath. Uh, in, the, in, in So anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. You, you basically said, I will fight the insanity because I don't want my kids to be confused about who they are and why they're here. Your two boys, and, and, and it's not just him, J- you too, Melissa, yeah. without a doubt, because you had to let him do all this. And I, I, I joke, you had to say, that's right. Well, actually, that, that's, a whole, that's a whole nother part of it. You said yes and you said no, but it's a good thing. Thank you.
So, I feel like Tony Robbins. No, just kidding. You want to know the difference between this and Tony Robbins? Jesus. He wants you to be wealthy and satisfied and all those things. I want you to be right with God. You are never more right with God than when you have a clearly defined purpose and you are living for the purpose that you were intended to live. Will you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? Let's begin with the most important yes that you could ever possibly give. Would you give Jesus a yes? Would you say to him, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whoever whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So I say yes to Jesus. When you've said yes to Jesus, what you're doing is you're dying to yourself so that you can live as a disciple or a follower of Jesus. As a disciple of Jesus, do you know where God has sent you or to whom he is sending you? Do you know what your spiritual giftedness is? Would you rein in all of your yeses and your noes? And would you give them to God? Say, God, I'm going to start managing my life according to your will. Father in heaven, we pray that in this moment you would do a supernatural work for your name's sake, for your glory, for your goodness. Father, I pray that without fear we would align our life with yours. May our life be hidden in Christ with God. Father, this is our prayer in Jesus' name.